everybody, welcome to another DevCast here on the Game Wisdom channel. I am Josh Placer, and we have another great one for you this afternoon. We're going to be talking to the developer of the upcoming game, Alder's Blood. This is a tactical, uh, kind of stealth turn-based strategy kind of game. They are currently on Kickstarter at the time of this live stream for it. They are they just hit over the 10k amount of their $12,000 goal, and we'll be talking to the developer about it, as well as the design of the game. So, please welcome to the podcast from Shockwork Games, Michael. Hello. Hello, everybody. Hey, Michael. Thank you for having me. <laughs> no problem. How are you doing tonight? Uh, quite nice. We just, as you said, we just breached through 10,000 on the Kickstarter. Looks very good, very promising. Mm-hmm. Kick track, you know, is showing the trends. Uh, to 18, so we should reach our stretch goal, which is an expansion. So, all nice and good. Nice, and definitely congratulations about that. I know, let me just move you up here. There we go. Um, I know when you, uh, when you contacted me about the game, it was about, I think, two weeks ago, or a little bit less than that, regarding getting it. But yeah, it's good to hear that you guys are on track. And for people watching us live right now, you have 13 days as of this live stream if you want to get any pledges in for it. But we've mm-hmm. certainly got a lot to talk about. Michael made the uh, first timer mistake of saying that he's fine going long on these casts. So this yeah. could, this may prove <laughs> to be disastrous for him. We shall see how things go. Nah. It'll be okay. It'll be okay. <laughs> but uh, since this is your first time on the cast, could you talk a little bit about kind of your background in the game industry? And for people watching, what is Alder's Blood? Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. So me and my team are, are working together for like three years or maybe a little bit longer together. Before uh, working on Alder's Blood, we were doing some mobile games which mm-hmm. we didn't like, you know, this is something to <laughs> to learn Unity engine, because we are working in Unity, and try to get into game dev, but we decided that we need to make a proper big PC game, and that's how we started working on Alders Blood. Okay. Uh, so that's that's my, my background. I'm an artist, by the way, uh, and project manager, writer, I wear a lot of hats, you know, <laughs> in this in this in this project. But uh, but it's all it's all good. I, I really enjoy what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Seriously, really, really enjoy what I'm doing. <laughs> uh, sometimes it's exhausting, but it's very, very rewarding. So what's Alders Blood, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we call it the tactical stealth game. It's a turn based hex based uh, game set in this dark Victorian slash Western fantasy uh, setting. Mm, where you control a group of hunters uh, trying to hunt some beasts, werewolf, vampires, things like that, some other creepy, creepy stuff as well, mm-hmm. on a quest to kill a god. You know, that's, <laughs> I think, the, the, whole, the whole sentence, you know, to describe, <laughs> describe the game. <laughs> Great. And so you said that you've been working on Alder's Blood for three years? Yeah, I think so. I think that's that's pretty much how it how it is. It's hard to count the time exactly yeah. because uh, when we are starting on the game, we're still finishing some of the mobile projects that we're still working on. So there were some uh, like 
pauses, you know, in the in the development for for different reasons. Mm-hmm. But it's I think uh, plus minus three years. Okay. And uh, before I kind of delve more into talking about Alder's Blood itself, one question I always like to ask when we have international guests on. Now, uh, mm-hmm. so I said at the start that you guys are based out of Poland. I guess yes. for people watching us right now, and again, I think my audience tends to be more skewed towards the United States. What is kind of like the game dev scene in Poland right now? Uh, right now, it's very active. Uh, I don't know when exactly this happened because it wasn't like the case um, all the time. But right now, I think Poland is one of the countries that has like the most uh, game dev companies per, I don't know, citizen, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, we do a lot of these games recently. Mm, I think we are in a pretty good spot right now. We have a lot of talented people who know what to do. There's a lot of good ideas. Just look at 11B Studio, right? CD Projekt Red is like, like everybody knows about them, right? Mm-hmm. But there are there are also a lot of smaller teams that that make a lot of a lot of good stuff from time to time, and just find out that they are from Poland. Like the devs are uh, <laughs> uh, that made uh, Moonlighter, you know, they're also from Poland. Oh, yeah. They knew that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we make a lot of these games. Mm. Situation, I think, is is pretty good. Mm, it, there was a boom like a few years ago when LMB Studio published uh, Frostpunk. You know, there was a huge, oh, yes. huge boom on the, in the industry that uh, we should invest, you know, a lot of resources into this, uh, into this part of the industry. But, uh, you know, then the dust settled, you know, everything kind of... Uh, and as you, you said, know, you know, how it is, you know, yeah. <laughs> there's this usually this, this gold rush and then everybody comes to their senses. And <laughs> And as you said, with CD Projekt Red, like they were kind of like the one that, ooh, excuse me, that kind of like blew things up, especially with The Witcher. And yet we yes. are, and it is kind of surprising, again, like especially for like my audience, that we're seeing more and more developers come out of Poland, especially come out of the international scene. I know of one of my current favorite games, Dead Cells. I think the developers are, I think they're French, who made that one, mm-hmm. maybe yeah, confused. So. And yeah, it's amazing to see again, like where like the game industry is like taking root around the world, especially again with the independent developers doing it. Yeah, no, I think that uh, right now, the game dev, uh, especially the indie indie devs, they know that they cannot just focus on their on their home country. Mm-hmm. This won't give them enough uh, visibility, enough enough money to to continue doing this. And so, so right now, everybody's trying to to reach. Um, you know the worldwide yeah. audience. You know, mm-hmm. especially with Switch. You know, for for indie devs, this is like the main platform right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we we as you were just saying regarding like the indie gold rush in Poland, there was kind of a Nintendo Switch gold rush that took place yes. last year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, everybody is is crazy about Switch, and I'm in this in this rush as well. You know, mm-hmm. I'm a huge fan of of gaming on Switch, and Elder's Blood will be. Yeah, you know, available on Switch on on the on the launch. Mm-hmm. We'll see about uh, other consoles. You know, this is a little bit more tricky uh, with PS4 and Xbox One, but with Switch, we already started porting this, and it looks looks really good so mm-hmm. far. Yeah. And as a quick word to the people watching us live right now, if you have any questions for Michael regarding Alder's Blood, uh, tactical stealth design, or anything like that, feel free to leave them in the comments there or in the chat, and we will get to them. 
But mm-hmm. uh, let me see here. Yeah, so uh, Zern is saying, yeah, again, like when it comes to the independent scene, by the fact that developers are able to basically design games anywhere and everywhere in the world, it's kind of like we do still see, I think, a few any games that are kind of like region specific or they're tailored to their specific demographics, but it has become a lot more international, especially over this decade. Yeah, yeah. I think the best example is actually Witcher, you know, that we just discussed before. Everybody, like, got very excited about CD Projekt Red, but that was their third game, right? And yeah. the, the first one, the first Witcher, was, I think, maybe not focused entirely on Poland, but the region. So, like, Poland, Czech Republic, Russia, mm-hmm. you know, the, this this is the area where we read the books you know that the game is based on and it's very very popular you know in this in this in this region but then you know that they found out that they can do a little bit more that the second which was aimed uh, for international audience it wasn't as good as the third one but still it was better mm-hmm. they tried to advertise with with better graphics and then the third one boom right mm, yeah. the best success in the polish game dev so far i guess <laughs> <laughs> and um oscar yeah, we're talking about like the Switch as really as a gold rush. As Nintendo has certainly, you know, courted like the big names. Again, we saw Bunny of Isaac get on, which again, which was kind of hilarious when I talked with Edmund about it because it was originally banned <laughs> from Nintendo Wii at the time. But and that's always been like the tough thing about these gold rush periods is that by the time we actually hear about it, it's pretty much over because everyone's gone that way, and. Yeah. It's hard to say if the Switch is still really considered a gold rush for independent developers. Because, again, everyone has gone to the... Or everyone is trying to get on that platform. Well, it's not as easy as it was, mm-hmm. you know, when the when the Switch launched. Uh, then, basically, anything you put there would, would sell nicely. But still, still, even, even now, if you have a good game... Mm-hmm. Because, you know, there is always this... Uh, a game and a good game. <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's not the same. But if you have something truly like uh, nice, unique, Nintendo will find this out and they will promote this. iShop right now is probably the best thing, you know, to promote your game. So if you find yourself, uh, you know, in a situation when Nintendo really like your stuff that you have, then basically have guaranteed success. Mm. Uh, like look at uh, Wargroove. For example, you know, yeah. it, it was uh, heavily advertised by Nintendo and it sold very, very well. It sold mm-hmm. very well. Yeah. And there are some some other examples I would have to, you know, dig a little bit deeper. But, um, you know, the way the eShop is constructed, I think, is 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 very good for, for indie developers and for, for the cons- customer. You know, right now for me, it's the best shop, you know, design, you know, out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In my opinion, at least. <laughs> Yeah, and we're certainly seeing more discussions about game stores going on right now. I'm sure you've been keeping an eye on the whole Epic Games. Uh, I'm not sure how what we're going to describe that one as in the coming months there. Uh, you know, people have concerns, and I think that they're justified. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's very aggressive, you know. Yeah. Like, like, like strategy, and I, I don't know when, where, it, where it will lead us in, in the way. We'll see, right? We'll see what will happen. But yeah. I can understand, you know, all of the sides. I think that, you know, there's too much emotions in it. Way too many, too much emotions. Uh, these are just games. 
and it's it's game it's game developers saying you that. So <laughs> you know, <laughs> these are just games. It's not a cure for the cancer. You know, yeah. chill, chill. <laughs> But I think with that, uh, let's talk a little bit more about Alder's Blood. We'll then, after we talk more about design, we'll then talk about the Kickstarter, and then we'll kind of see where the conversation takes us at that point. Okay. But um, as you said earlier, it is a tactical stealth kind of design. So mm-hmm. I guess in terms of like the basic gameplay, I was looking at some of the screenshots you have on the Kickstarter page, and... It does have like that kind of, I'm not sure I would say like XCOM look to it, but it has, again, like that tactical strategy, almost like that, like a Disgaea or Tactics Ogre kind of appear, appeal to it. So in terms of like the general gameplay, what are you doing mm-hmm. in Alder's Blood? What are you doing? You have different objectives and very, very rarely they are kill everything on the map. You need to go uh, you go on the mission and it's usually pick something up activate something you know I don't want to spoil too much but uh, you know like in general terms this this is what you need to do uh, and you won't be rewarded by killing monsters then that's how this stealth works right if you are not rewarded by killing stuff you don't get any loot or any special experience mm-hmm. and the monsters hit hard and they do hit hard then you try to find a way to to sneak past them or try to mm, only kill the ones that are really in the way, and you cannot cannot find a, you know a, a mean to to just just run around them. Uh, so that's one of the main things that pushes this. The objectives are not based on, on killing everything on the map. Okay, uh, but you know we had to go a little bit deeper. You know there there are other stuff, and I don't know should I should I just continue talking about this, or do you want to ask some questions? Of, <laughs> Oh yeah, we can uh, we can certainly see where it goes in terms of talking <laughs> about this. Again, we can spend a very long time talking design. So, mm. okay, I, so maybe I just I can tell you like the history of this because there's there's quite a bit of history how this came into being. Sure. If you, if you, uh, so we are still doing uh, mobile games uh, at that at that time, and uh, uh, we started playing some games that are very RNG heavy. Darkest Dungeon and uh, XCOM. Oh, yes. Yeah, so and we had this conversation. Why am I missing 80% shot? (laughs) We had that conversation a lot this past week, too, as I've been playing XCOM 2 on stream. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, so so, so you know the feeling, right? Mm -hmm. And we started talking uh, internally what would happen if we do a game where you don't have this at all, right? There's no to hit chance. You have guys that are uh, trained to do what they need to do, that are trained with their with their weapons, with their tools. So, well, in these short distances, that, you know, for a, for any person that ever had a gun in their hand, you know, the, the distances between uh, characters in games like that are very short, and this is like basically guaranteed hit for anybody that can shoot. So, we said, okay, no RNG. Right in to hit chance. You if you hit, I don't know, ten damage, you get ten damage, right? And that was one of the of the main principles when designing Alter's Blood. Uh, then came other stuff, right? This was just like a conversation, right? It was still before. Okay, let's make a game. But when we decided to make a game, I was uh, still stick to this design uh, decision and started building some something around this. 
and I always wanted to do something with like this vampire hunters, werewolf hunters characters, and uh, decided that maybe this is a good opportunity because usually you get like fantasy tactical games or sci-fi, right? Something something modern, but I wanted to do something different, and it started to basically like come together just by itself, right? If you have hunters, then on a hand, the smell is a very important thing, right? You need to uh, position yourself in a good way to the wind, right? So the the animals won't smell you. So we so we know, knew from the very beginning that we want a smelling mechanic. And this is one of the basic stuff in Elder's Blood. We have wind that can uh, change direction and every Hunter produces smell. It's represented with like a flag, you know, of particles. Mm-hmm. And if the character, the enemy, uh, you know, touches this, you know, uh, they will investigate this this source of the smell in their turn. So mm, they can see you, they can smell you, they can they can uh, hear you, right? Some weapons like guns are loud, and there's a distance of this of this sound, and this can also expose you, right? So they they sh- they shoot uh, far. They deal high damage, but they are loud, so they can uh, lure monsters towards you. And this was the basic stuff, right? We want to have a game with no RNG, and we want to have all of these senses, and then you know it started evolving. Okay, very interesting. There's we could probably spend like forty minutes alone just talking about the whole two hit chance <laughs> part about the game. Yeah, yeah. You know, the only like mm, version of this of this random mm, damage that was taken into consideration was uh, how much damage you will deal. But there was like a minimal and maximal damage. Not if you will hit at all, but how much how much damage you will you will deal. But I don't think there is a need for that right now. Maybe we will add some like a special special weapons that have something like that and the the range of this damage could be uh, kind of high but right now we don't we don't plan to change anything okay in, in this all right um and uh, this is probably a good time to ask uh, oscar's question where was the inspiration like in terms of like the story or the theme like you already mentioned the gameplay kind of being inspired by XCOM minus <laughs> RNG there, but in terms of like the story and lore, like where did that come from? Mm, I don't know. To be honest, I, I don't <laughs> know. I think this is this is something that was like deeply rooted somewhere. Uh, I think Bloodborne kind of like uh, awakened this, you know, because that's that's pretty much the only game that that has uh, a setting like that. And at the very beginning, a lot of people were saying that uh, you know this this looks like Bloodborne, which was you know very touching for me. You know, I'm mm-hmm. a huge fan of Bloodborne. Oh yes. But uh, to be to be to be honest, this is something that I was very interested since I was a kid. You know, I was always drawing stuff uh, with with a pencil, with a pen, whatever, right? And you know, Vampire Hunters was something that was very often a topic of my of my drawings. So this is like going back to roots, I guess. <laughs> also, yeah. but then it evolved. You know, we had some some ideas that we discussed with with Alex, you know, our illustrator, that sits next to me playing Monster Hunter right now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, 
And we just went with it. You know, we, we like horror, we like creepy stuff. So we knew that, you know, the monsters won't be just, you know, cutesy, uh, chibi, chibi stuff, but, you know, they need to be creepy, they need <laughs> to be scary, you know, we need to have some, some other, other stuff like this god, you know, this is kind of strong story point. But mm. it was a process, you know, it's not that, you know, everything clicks, you know, the first day you start thinking about this uh, gameplay influences, story, story influences, gameplay, and, you know, it goes back and forth. Mm-hmm. And as you were talking, I'm just like looking at the images and the screenshots on the Kickstarter page. And yeah, the art has a very, like, unique look to it. As you said earlier, you, you're, you were the, you're the artist on the game. So I guess... In terms of the aesthetic, like that kind of like hand drawn, you know, gothic look to it, like did you settle on that like very early on in the game, or did that kind of style develop as you started making the game? Yeah, there's another longer story to that. <laughs> uh, so you know, I, I created the first very short like game design. I would say pitch. It's not even you know like it was in the proper game design document. It couldn't be. It was just the beginning. I knew that I want to have these characters, characters in cloaks, and I knew that we will draw this right because we, me and Alex. Alex is also an artist on this project. We have you know a lot of experience drawing, you know classic classic stuff. Right? We we are not 3D artists. So this is like this, we see this as our advantage and we wanted to use it, but we had some problems trying to, to get the art style right. Now, this is actually the second iteration of what you see for Elder's Blood graphics right now. We had the first shot with that. And if you go to our, our page, there is, there is a video, mm-hmm. a launch day stream when, when we show some of this very early early concepts, you know, early graphics, but it didn't uh, look very good. You know, uh, if you zoom in, you know, the characters are more detailed than they are now. We use the different animation technique. It's like skeletal animation. Okay. You, you basically, you took a 2D image changes to a, to a mesh and then you can morph it a little bit. It looks good as long as you don't have any more complicated movement on, on the character. So it's kind of stiff, okay. no, but, the, but the details are there. Mm. You try to work something, something with it, but we had a problem with readability, you know, of the map. And well, this is, this is a tactical game. This is very important, right? <laughs> you need mm. to know where the characters are, where you need to click. Mm. And at some point we just decided, okay, this is not going to work, right? Uh, the characters are too detailed. The, 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 the Everything is too detailed, and if you zoom out, and you need to zoom out in the tactical game, right? Yeah. Uh, you cannot see see too much. And at some point, okay, we are doing a huge redesign yeah. of the graphics. You know that everything stayed the same, but we switched to uh, stop stop motion graphics. So yeah. all of the animations are drawn frame by frame, right? Mm. It's like old school, old school type of animation. Mm. But this allows us to create different, uh, more fluid moves, you know, that, that are more anatomically <laughs> possible. <laughs> uh, and this is what you see right now. It was also a process, you know, at, at the very beginning, our fans that were with us, you know, from the beginning were saying, okay, I'm not sure if this is, this is the right direction. And I, I like the, the, you know, mm-hmm. older graphics better. But this was a process, you know, we needed time to, 
polish everything to prepare all of the terrain elements, ground textures, additional stuff. And right now I can say that it was a good decision, that it looks way better than it used to, and I'm happy with it. You know, mm -hmm. Of course it could be better, but well. Mm -hmm. We'll be there sometime, right? We'll reach this super giant level of graphics at some point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like that's one like the the challenging parts about making kind of strategy games that the UI really has oh, to yeah. be on point when you're trying to develop it. It was one of the things about when I played XCOM two that a lot of the improvements that were added in War of the Chosen or the ones I really liked were on the UI side, like being able to see you know, exactly where I'm standing and whether or not I can see an enemy or whether or not I can flank that enemy. And, like, it's yeah. it's like these kinds of things that when we talk about it, it's very, like, minuscule little details. But when you're playing a tactical strategy game and those little details, I mean, the difference between I can hit this enemy or, no, I can't. Now I'm just going to just, like, walk up to me and smack me and kill my guy. It can get very frustrating. Yeah, yeah, like for us, the last two months were about this this kind of stuff, you know, get the basically user experience right. And we've made a lot of changes. The, just uh, for the sake of that, we, we changed some of the systems to work similarly to how they were before, just so the player will understand, you know, what's, what's happening. You know, this, this is something very important. And this is a you know, like, I guess, tip for other game designers out there. If you have an idea for a mechanic and you cannot explain it in few words or you cannot present this into graphics in a way that people can read this without reading a table, then this is probably a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we find ourselves in, in, this, in this place quite a few times. And right now we polish this, you know, we have some help... Uh, with testing from people outside of the, of the team who have a different perspective of the game, right? We sometimes uh, lose this, I would say, distance, you know? When you're just sitting there working on that, uh, you need a little bit of a break sometimes to, to just look at this as a game and not as a project that you work on. Yeah. So, you know, any, any input from outside of the team is, is you know, very welcome because you're not sure what what's clear to people and not, you know, because when you design this, you know how this works, it's not a problem for you, but you know, when someone comes right from the outside mm -hmm. and plays this, he you know, he needs of course tutorials, but sometimes the tutorial books it would won't be enough, you know, if it's not intuitive. Mm -hmm. That's that's a problem. Right? Yeah. And especially again with something like tactical strategy like this if one system doesn't work or it's confusing the people, it brings down mm. the entire game. It's not exactly like something you can kind of cut up piecemeal and design like one element at a time. Yeah, yeah, everything is connected. This, mm -hmm. I don't know if that was the best project to, to make as a first game, but <laughs> this is definitely something that uh, allowed me, you know, because I also make game design for this, mm, mm. to learn a lot. And I think it will be it will be way easier for us to to move forward after this and make another game, you know, because this just forces you to think about everything. You need to have this 
overview, right? You need to zoom out mm -hmm. and take a look at all your systems and see how they are connected. And maybe sometimes something isn't connected so strongly. So is it really, is it really needed, right? Maybe you need to get rid of this so everything else will be more clear. Yeah. And it takes time. It oh, takes yes. time. But it's it's very satisfying when, when it clicks. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, as you were saying a few minutes ago, Michael, regarding like the general gameplay of the tactical layer with the stealth and kind of sneaking around and avoiding enemies, like was mm -hmm. that gameplay loop there from the beginning, or did that have to be iterated on during development? No, that was uh, you know set from the very beginning. You know that was uh, the main idea around this is that you. Sneak around. If you if you need to bring down bees, then you need to you know prepare an ambush because bees are always stronger than you. You know from the very beginning, I knew that this is supposed to be an asymmetrical gameplay, right? When the enemies have different behaviors, different different abilities, they can do different stuff than your guys can do. Mm, we kind of lost it along the way with the first iteration. Mm, but then we strongly get back to that added new new mechanics that uh, make the stealth really visible. You know, you can feel mm -hmm. this that this is the way I should I should play it. Uh, but uh, fortunately for us, it was mostly a matter of balancing stuff. You know, we have a very good systems, very good tools uh, to build, and right now we can build like probably two or three games out of <laughs> what we have in the <laughs> project right now. We could do like a melee, melee and shooting brawler or you know something like an XCOM, like <laughs> seriously. But you know we focus on something like that because this is something that you can't can see very often. I think like only probably Visible Ink is really like the only turn-based stealth game oh, out yeah. there. Invisible Ink, and that's another really that's another really good game of mine. I enjoy playing, and you're yeah. right. Like stealth and turn base are like one of like those very weird combinations. For older fans watching this, you may remember the Metal Gear Acid series on the PSP. That was also that one added in a CCG on top of stealth, on top of turn-based strategy. You know, because they, you know, they wanted to make things easy for themselves and they were designing that one. <laughs> yeah, I haven't played this, you know, but uh, I was thinking about this because I found some emulator for PSP. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I think this is available there, but we'll, we'll see, you know, maybe I'll find some time for yeah. that sometime soon. Mm. Yeah. Okay, I think we have some questions in the chat. Yes, we do. Should well get that. Uh, Zern asks, from a balancing perspective, how do you go about making sure you keep the monsters organically dangerous rather than artificially? And that's a very that's a very tricky topic. It's one thing that I see um, with XCOM in particular, especially with the with Fraxis's take that when you go up in difficulty, it basically adds more health to the enemies, which. It's not. It's not really. I think organic, in my opinion. Yes, yeah, a sec no. toy that has, you know, ten points of health. It's tough, but it's tough because you can't one shot. It. Like it yes. still gives some level of depth, but again, you. It's always hard. I think for these kinds of games to make it feel like it's an organic encounter versus again like the unseen hand of the developer guiding things and i want to come back to that point in a minute but um let's get to Zirin's question about like the enemy design mm. 
you know, everything that you know can be summarized, you need to do a good AI, right? <laughs> but this is a very vague answer, right? Mm. We knew from the very beginning that you know monsters need to have a feel, you know, and this this may also sound pretty vague, but this is I think like the core of designing a game. You need to have a vision, right? You need to know what feel you want to get, and then you need to you know make changes as long as you you know reach this feel, right? And with with our monsters, mm, I think like this very specific monsters when you just you know put them one on the map and you start you know running around. <laughs> uh, this this won't be so fun, but you know the way I try to design this in uh, in interesting way is to making like combos with them, like you create a specific tactical situation, you know, like we have these werewolves, we call them brawlers. Uh, and if you have a, like, a, if you're wondering why we are calling these this enemies the way we do, it's like we wanted to give them names that hunters would give them, you know, it's like, you know, from the in-game perspective. Uh, so we have these brawlers and they're heavy hitters, right? They are the, the guys that do a lot of damage. They have quite a lot of health. Mm. Classic beasts, right? This classic beast. It will attack you on sight. It will try to kill you uh, with everything it has. But then you put a floater next to it. This is a flying naked lady, right? <laughs> and this combo isn't isn't so easy to um, to engage, right? Because the floater is it's flying. So if you lay some traps on the ground and you have some traps <laughs> and she wants to trigger them right so your classic uh, like way of doing things okay i'll put the trap and then just lure him and right, go 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 that way won't work so you need to uh, balance stuff and another then it starts getting tricky and this is almost like a, like a puzzle you know and then i think it, it gets interesting mm, what what else you know we have classic behaviors of other tactical games, like they're idling, or they are searching, or they're ready for combat. Um, and you can trigger these um, changes in their in their states uh, by uh, the smell mechanic or the sound mechanic that we that we talked about before. Uh, so in, even if you if you try to, to sneak past them, you know the wind may change. They can they can smell you and and you need to change your your, your strategy because maybe you wanted to knock down the enemy with a backstab, but he's searching right now so he's aware that something is around <laughs> and you won't be able to do this anymore. Mm. No AI is something that will probably be polishing to 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 the launch. You know we are still finding some some stuff that we don't like. Recently we added the option uh, for the monsters to do different. To use different abilities, basically. Before that, we we I always wanted to give a monster like a role. So, like this brawler is this uh, pure attack. And we have a death walker that is like this huge zombie type of enemy. Uh, this is like pure defense. Uh, floater is more around uh, is based more around negating some of your stuff. And and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. But and they, so they had only like one ability. Right now they they still play this role, but they can do different kind of stuff. So if you take this this brawler for example, it can attack you, or it can attack you with a stronger attack that will drain his stamina, 
right? So if he's like an enraged beast in the berserk mode and he will start um, <coughs> running off himself. Or it may use this growl attack to drain your stamina. So you're never 100% sure what the, what the enemies will do. And I think this also adds to this more organic feel. Mm -hmm. uh, this is all in their AIs. It's not like completely random. You know, there are specific situations where they are more keen to use a specific ability. Mm. In different in specific situations. So they see more than one uh, hunter or something like that. Mm hmm yeah, and like that kind of organic play, I think it's one of like the hardest things to do with a tactical, with any kind of tactical based game, because again, by the fact that it is on a turn by turn basis. Like if we go back to XCOM, for instance. I'm sure mm -hmm. like you as well as the chat knows that with XCOM two, they really try to lean more into stealth gameplay for a lot of the maps, with being able to basically start and conceal. But you know, yeah. in the same breath, though it still doesn't feel very organic by the fact that the second one person gets spotted, you know, not only everybody on the map gets alerted, but even somebody who could have been, you know, hiding like 50 feet that way, they also are spotted as well. And it's very hard yeah. for these kinds of games because, again, a major part about tactical strategy is the fact that you are abstracting everything. Like, there's no real-time elements in these kinds of games. So, on one hand, you have to design all the systems, but if it's so, I'm not sure if I want to use the term like rigid in terms of its design, that, you know, like no matter what you do, it's always going to end up like the same outcome. It starts, I think, really bog down that gameplay loop. Mm, no, I think it, it, it's all about uh, this AI and how it makes decisions. Mm -hmm. I know that in, in XCOM, this outcome is calculated way before you made these decisions, and that's probably why it feels that way. Uh, with the stealth, we, we, you know, we took a, you know, like a very close look to XCOM 2, right? This is the biggest mm -hmm. game of the genre on the market, so that would be very damp not to make a <laughs> uh, look, right? And yeah, very early on, I, I knew that shared Stealth, concealment, how you want to call this, this is not a good thing, especially in this game. So, no, we don't have a situation when a hunter is exposed and, exposed and everybody, every, everyone else is exposed as well. No, you can actually use this into your adventures. You, you may lay some traps and then make a sound or just, you know, run to, to the enemy. Here I am, you know, follow me. <laughs> That's my then, uh, stealth strategy for people watching. That's how I'm stealthy. <laughs> You know, you do whatever you mm -hmm. know is good for you, right? There's a lot of these tools, a lot of weapons, and uh, yeah, this this is something that we knew from the beginning that uh, every hunter have like his own concealment, right? And other hunters cannot cannot break this. If this guy is exposed, he can lure enemies, you know, somewhere to the side. So maybe I can. Uh, take this objective, right? Activate this mm -hmm. shrine or whatever. So, you know, you have a lot of these tools. You can you can do different stuff. Throw pebbles, you know, mm -hmm. around the, the map so, so they can start investigating. And uh, just to clarify, if somebody breaks stealth or is exposed, can they reinitiate stealth, like, after the enemy's dead? Or are they, like, permanently exposed, like, the rest of the map or session? No, no, you can just run away and then hide again. Okay. You know, if, if, if you run away from the uh, vision range, 
Yeah, they have cons, you know, you can you can access uh, something that we call HunterSense and then, uh, you know, take a look exactly, you know, what the vision cons are. Because we, we didn't want to, you know, make the UI too busy, you know, in the in the basic uh, basic screen. Uh, so you can take a look at that. You can run away, uh, but you need to hide, you know, smart <laughs> because they will run after you. They will start investigating. Uh, so if you, for example, hide in the bushes, I don't know, to few hexes away, but the wind won't be in your favor, then you know the bees can smell it. Your smell and still still finds you. So you need to be careful mm -hmm. when you hide yourself. Yeah. There are also you know stuff like. Uh, uh, partial cover and full cover. It's not like in XCOM when it shields you from from the shots. It's more about vision. So when you have a smaller cover, it will screen you from the vision of the enemies, but only if you are stick to this, right? You are mm -hmm. hex to hex contact with us, and you know the the full cover will just screen everything mm, in its path. Okay. So it's, it's you know the cover is based on the vision rather than you know any bonuses to defense. Mm -hmm. Now earlier in the cast you mentioned that the mission or the actual progression of the game is not about killing enemies. That mm -hmm. you know just like clearing a map is not advisable in Alder's Blood. So in terms of like I guess a mission structure, like what like again you don't have to go too far into detail that's spoiler related, but like, what is, like, going to be, like, I guess, like, a basic objective that the player's going to have to go for? Uh, usually when you start a mission, uh, you are tasked with, like, scouting the area ahead of you. So you have this objective to reach the target, so you can, you can see what's, what's ahead of you. And uh, then you need to either activate something, like this may be a, maybe a shrine or someone tasks you to fix something. Or maybe you need to pick up and bring something to some, some someone else. Mm, or maybe kill a specific monster. So you have like an objective to kill this specific uh, brawler or just, you know, a number of specific monsters. And that's what you need to do. But uh, it most of the time it won't end there. You need to escape, you know, from the, from the mission area. Uh, at, at the beginning, we, we had these objectives to end after you, you make them, but then you can, you can make these suicide runs, you know, and it's, it's kind of breaks the immersion. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so if, you, if, you, if you're supposed to be sneaky, then okay, pick this up and then uh, you know, run away. Kill this guy, run away. Uh, activate these shrines and, you know, get back to your quest giver. And then you are more careful, you, you will you know, use your tools more if like more carefully. You won't just spam everything. Like I just I have this shrine here, I'll just, you know, use this this last trap and then whatever, right? Mm -hmm. Now we need to you need to look out if this is something that also XCOM to does yeah. you know, right? Uh, and this is this is good. You know, I think this is this is nice. It it adds to to the overall feeling of like realism or whatever mm -hmm. you want to call this. <laughs> but it's just smarter, I think. We don't have any timers, uh, like hard timers. We have some like soft timers, I would say. We have a uh, mechanic that we call darkness, uh, and this is uh, this is connected to what we are saying about this uh, not being rewarded by killing by killing beasts. So this is a system that is based on RNG, uh, 
but it's not something that influences the gameplay that that much in, in its basic uh, me- basic mechanics so this is like this will of this god that we are supposed to kill this is the the dark forces of the world and uh, the longer you stay on the map it builds up its power and with every monster that is not part of the objective you also add points to this to this system right so every time you you kill something that is not your kill that is not supposed to be your kill you strengthen this system and then it can uh, buff an enemy that is on the map it can summon more enemies to the map or it can change one of the enemies into this like avatar that is like almost like a mini boss Mm. and that sounds like very reminiscent but getting on back to invisible ink with their whole alert system and how again like the more you do it escalates yeah, I think this is a smarter way of doing this. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, in this, in this tactical games, you need to have time to prepare, right? And uh, I find myself a lot of times in XCOM when I was forced to do stupid decisions because the time was started running out. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I didn't like that. You know, I didn't like that. There was a mod that changed this, that this, this uh, counter started going down when you exposed yourself. So in, in concealment, it, it was posed. And I think this is one of the best mods for XCOM 2 if you're playing on PC. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so we designed a system that is that have this like soft uh, uh, I don't know, timer, whatever you want to call it. Soft soft way to push you to maybe finish your objective right now, right? Not don't don't camp in the in the corner. <laughs> mm-hmm. And yeah, like like again as we were saying like with this kind of like try and make it feel organic in terms of playing the game. And I think that's been one of like, the few like big problems I have with X-Time or Fraxis take, that it does feel very like inorganic in a lot of elements of its design. And one thing that I just wanted to clarify, I think you may have said this, Michael, but in terms of the map layouts, are the maps procedurally built in Alder's Blood, or are they uh, handmade? They're handmade. Okay. Mm-hmm. We we designed a system for something like that. Maybe maybe we'll use it in something like an expansion. Mm-hmm. But this is a stealth game, and you need you need to handcraft these situations, you know, to be to be really interesting, mm-hmm. in my opinion. And I I don't know if any algorithm would do that, you know, like in a good way. It's it's very hard when we see like procedural maps in like a strategy based game. I mean, even with Invisible Ink, it was very like nondescript in terms of its level design because that was procedural but you really weren't like focusing on like the personality or like the levels like, it was basically here's an objective let's build the whole level around that and then you go over there and then with XCOM like this is one of the issues a lot of people had like with the original XCOM 1 by Firaxis they use handmade maps but because cover was such a requirement of playing that game because if you were out of cover everything got like a 60% like bonus to hit you kind of thing it rendered again a lot of your choices meaningless it's like I can't run over there because there's no heavy cover so they tried to change that with XCOM 2 and the maps were more I if I remember right I think they were not so much procedural but they were kind of like stitched mm-hmm. together from various handmade elements it, yeah we were thinking about exactly the same the same mm-hmm. technique you have like chunks of yeah. the map and you just put them together so you have like this situation here and you build um, yeah. 
I don't know, like a little arena, and then you have cover outside, and then you have something maybe like more like a corridor. We're both doing the uh, hand gestures for people watching us live <laughs> right now. <laughs> yeah, you need your hands, right? You yeah. need your hands sometimes to, to explain stuff. And, uh, and in the end, we, we just grabbed this idea. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think this is for the better, because, you know, we have... A story that is not just there to be like a reason for you to finish the game. Mm -hmm. I spent a lot of time writing the, this this story. I think it's the best I could do. <laughs> the best I could do. I hope that you will like it. Uh, and these maps, uh, you know, show this. You know, if you if we have a situation when uh, you know we we tell people that there is this war with this beast you know and the the forces of this of the city you know there's the city the first city of men you know that is in the in, the, in mm -hmm. this in this area that we are playing and they are fighting then we need to show this right we need to show the casualties of war right the mm -hmm. the equipment everything like that and so i I could sit down and craft this right it required a lot of this uh terrain elements and we are still drawing more and more and there's never enough of them but you know the the immersion is better mm -hmm. you know it's just you just see that okay i'm here right when they said that, that i will be right it's not just another random city or another uh i don't know random something and there's for whatever reason there's a cemetery right mm. Mm. I know that we are ranting a lot about XCOM, but uh, I'm a huge fan of this game. I have like yeah, 200 hours in, the, in, the, in this game, but you know. Mm -hmm. so, uh, I know why they did this, you know, like that. I understand why they did this. Uh, maybe sometimes it's... You would like to have more freedom, right? We have more options. But one huge advantage that XCOM has uh, over its... Uh, like, you know, other games, basically... It's easy to learn, mm -hmm. right? It's it's easy to learn. I I don't think that Aldrich uh, that will be as easy to learn. I think this is a game that you know will require a little bit more from the from the players, but in the end it will offer more tactical options. At least I hope so. You know mm -hmm. that's that's you know the the way I want this to be. So for example, you know uh, like movement system, like, right? In XCOM you can move once and then shoot, or you can move like twice right and, and then it will end your end your turn and in Elders Blood we have um, a more fluent system and this was very much needed you know to, to get the stealth feel right because uh, you to get this this stealth this ambushes you need to outmaneuver right your enemies you need to be able to to move and and position yourself in, in this exactly right uh, place mm, so first of all we have we have two uh, movement ranges. First one works a little bit like in Civilization Six. So you have like a range of ten, and you can move back and forth as long as you have uh, not uh, spent all of your movement points. Okay. Right. So it's not like you move and then suddenly it ends your turn. As long as you as you have this movement place, nothing happens. You can I don't know step two hexes to the right and go back and right. It will only take four movement points out of your hunter. If you want to move further, you can, but it will start draining your stamina. Stamina is the resource that replaced action points in Elder's Blood, and this is like universal. Uh, resource. We used to have action points, but this is this is uh, another example of this getting the, getting this game 
more user friendly, right? Okay, we had two, three resources, let's just combine them into one. So the stamina is used uh, for making attacks, for throwing, I don't know, grenades, uh, stuff like that. But you will also lose your stamina when you want to extend your, your movement, right? He will start becoming tired, and that's why it drains this, this stamina. Or when you get uh, hit by enemies. And this is one of the strategies against against enemies. You can just try to, you know, outright kill them. Or maybe it's easier to just drain their stamina, you know, with, with weaker attacks like throwing knives, or maybe put some status effect that will drain the stamina, and then it will knock him down. He will lose its its next turn. Same applies to your hunters. Mm. And then you can just move move forward, right? You don't have to kill them. You'll kill him because there are there's these penalties, as I said, with darkness, and there are some other stuff. Like your hunters are like in between light and dark, and this dark will affect them. You know, I don't want to spoil this too much. I, I, we decided this this could be a, like a nice uh, <laughs> surprise for people that will play this. You know that there is there is this this mechanic. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, killing everything uh, left and right is, is not is not an option. Yeah, and and this stamina, this stamina was was an idea that uh, came out along the way. At first, I wanted to use just classic action points, but more like in the older XCOMs when you had uh, more of these action points. Yeah, uh, but then this this idea with stamina popped out, and we kind of had a harder time with it. We started using action points, but finally we found found a, a good way to to use it, and I'm really proud of it. Yeah. Nice as you were saying like earlier like the asym- asymmetry of all their spoil like these are very challenging elements to put in because once you change one system you know you have to figure out how does that apply to the enemies now or if you add something new to the enemies you have to think okay do I have you know a counter tactic in play for the player because yeah. if you don't then you run that situation that the game feels completely imbalanced one way or the other and this is one of the things I think XCOM has definitely had trouble with, that the beginning of an XCOM game is always going to be the hardest because you don't have any tools. But yeah. many people have found that once you get to about like the mid to maybe three quarters of the way through, if you've done well, you will break that game. You know, like squad overwatch site snipers with grenaders who can just blow up everything and then ranger just like runs in gets like multiple sword kills it's like okay what you got for me now game (laughs) but conversely if you don't get to that point and then you're trying to take like rookies in you're fighting you know psychic uh, psionic troops and crystallids and all that you're pretty much screwed you're bringing you know a knife to a gunfight in that regard yeah yeah we, we were aware of that and we we have some systems to mm, to make it easier for players, mm, you know, to even if they lost uh, some of their veterans, or their veterans are not suited uh, for for fighting, you know, there there are some some ways to do that. But mm, I think this is the, we will go back again to the stealth thing, you know, in an Alder's mm-hmm. blood. Uh, it's not really about killing everything, so you. You get more options, of course. At the very beginning, you won't have as many. You know, you need to learn the game. If you just throw everything at the player, then he'll get lost. Uh, but this is more about how else I can approach the situations. 
and the enemies are not the only obstacle that you need to overcome. Uh, we'll have something that you know we didn't really use uh, so far, but we created a system of something that we call like universal traps. You know, this is like a you know inside <laughs> type of a name for for this mechanic. But uh, basically, there there are some some elements on the map that will be can be like activated. You know, usually by stepping on them by any any faction. So it can be you or the or the enemy. So this could be like broken glass. Right on the map, it it will uh, make sound when you step or step on it. Or maybe there will be something like uh, acidic pools, you know, when you when you go into this, it will deal chemical damage. Uh, so something like area of denial thing, and in a game that is so strong about mobility, you know, it can create some interesting situations. And you know, we have other ideas how to use it. The system is kind of you know flexible. So we can create some like artillery fire, you know, going coming out, uh, you know, of our like mission area. But you know, there will still be so so the city forces, you know, attack, attack this beast. So our idea is to like maybe not, you know, create more and more of these monsters that will have just more HP and different attack animations, and they will pretty much be the same, <laughs> but with with different skin. But just to complicate the situation of yeah. the map. So at, at the beginning, you just, you know, we're dealing with monsters that, you know, walk on their, on their legs so you can put traps. Okay, you have a monster that now flies. You cannot, you cannot use traps on him. You, you could backstab enemy. Okay, now you have an enemy that uh, cannot be, right, backstab and knock down so easily. We need to find a different way to do this. Uh, and so on and so forth, and then map changes. Okay, so you could you could run around any way you want. Okay, now you have this 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 glass. Will you run here and alarm these enemies, or maybe you will try to figure something out, yeah. uh, you know, with your tools that you have. Yeah. Mm, so, you know, this is a process. This is, I think, the the process that is the most difficult, because this game is probably right now forty hours long, and get a progression right in a forty hour long. Gameplay is pretty hard. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it is pretty hard. We are still trying to find a good way to give players these new tools that they can choose. Right now, it's based on mm, like loyalty system. There are four great houses, like great forces that rule the city uh, of men in this in this area, and we can work for them, and they can reward us, you know, with with more more stuff, more weapons, more tools. Mm, but there are some other ideas, and we'll see if we'll be able to bring them uh, to the launch version. Maybe they'll go a little bit later. Uh, we'll see. Right now, we just, like, yesterday finished the true alpha, right? The game has a beginning, you know, the end, everything is there. You know, maybe you're missing some audio assets or visual assets, but it's there. And right now, everybody is set to just play this, you know, see... Uh, and try to find as many issues that we have, you know, as possible balance issues, progression issues. We have still some time, you know, to to make this work. Oh yes. And you know, there if you if you're a backer with uh, with the pledge level of closed beta access, or you're higher, you know, you can you can access this this closed test and help us, you know, do this. <laughs> this this could be a huge help, you know, seriously, because uh, as I said before, you know, we. We look at this game from different perspective, <laughs> and, and this is something that is a problem. 
No, this is a problem. And again, like with a design like this, it's something that you don't really want to be making grand changes, you know, when you're 50% of the way done kind of thing. Like, it's not like, oh, let's just completely rebuild our stealth system or our detection mechanics no. then. <laughs> I'm sure we'll get it all done in a week, right? Yeah, no, no we won't have some, some tragic uh, changes right now. <laughs> uh no, you know, f- f- so far people who play this like this, you know, so far people who play this like this and the only, the only problem that we may have is this progression, you know, right now. When we'll give people this, this options and will they have enough options in this part of the game, right? This is, yeah. this is the only concern that they have right now, like, yeah. seriously. Mm-hmm. And uh, Zirin asked this question earlier, have either of us played a 40k Mechanicus? Uh, which is another mm-hmm. tactical strategy game. It does not use hit chances, but it uses like a stamina-like mechanic. Oh, do you have stamina? No, I haven't played this. I think I have this in my library, but... I don't think I have it. I, uh, some, I think one of my fans was saying to try one of the 40k games, but I think that was a uh, Martyr, which was more of an ARPG than tactical strategy. Mm-hmm. And mm. I have to ask, have you had a chance to play, like, speaking about, like, very weird um, title strategy games, have you played a Mario plus Rabbids yet for the Switch? Yes, <laughs> and I don't know why anybody, like, like, took this as an inspiration, yet I don't know if I would start over, because I played this when we were, like, halfway through with Mother's <laughs> Blood. But seriously, at some point, I was I was thinking about some of the mechanics that were there, because... This is one of the smartest mm-hmm. game out there. Like, like <laughs> seriously, I was so surprised. I don't like this kind of stuff. You know, mm-hmm. I would go with rabbits. I don't like Mario that much. <laughs> Sorry, I know, <laughs> I know that this is not in a popular opinion. Oh, no. <laughs> but I'm not a huge fan of Mario. I'm a fan of Luigi. <laughs> there we go. That's that's the right answer. That's how you <laughs> yeah. you recovered there. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm I'm very hyped for Luigi Mansions by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but yeah, uh, I, I, when I was playing this, uh, this is smart. You don't think this is really smart? You know, it's it's simple when when it should be simple. Like I really like the idea of the cover that mm-hmm. is this simple, uh, and but this movement, right? This this movement changes yes. changes everything. And this this is something that is worth taking like a deeper look and trying to figure out what what can be done with it. You know, in a more because this is a relatively simple game, right? You have this, this this mission, then you just run around collecting coins. But if someone would try to to make like a XCOMish type of experience with this kind of idea of of this movement, or or just this idea of you know getting to your teammates to s- and then something happens, like you get a buff of of some of some kind, then I think this could be something interesting. Like seriously, very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I really enjoy it as well. And I think again, like for a lot of like the simple stuff, it does that just feels I think a lot better in your hands compared to I think XCOM, which again, like we can mm-hmm. go back to XCOM <laughs> twenty-seven more times in this podcast. And true, true. Like there's one thing I wanted to bring up specifically again, like talking about XCOM, and that was the use of the pods for how the enemies work. 
Now, for those of you who don't know, in the X Hunt by Firaxis, the enemies are basically placed on the map in these little groups. Usually it's, I think, two to four enemies. Maybe one if it's, like, a very big one. And, of course, if you trigger one, it triggers that entire pod. But the problem, of course, comes in that if you're trying to move around the field, and this goes back to, again, that clash of the design. If, let's say, I trigger a pod, and then, you know, they're on the field, they're trying to kill me, and I go, oh, let me try and move around them or try to do something specific. Guess what? I could trigger another pod. Or another yeah. pod gets triggered on top of that, and soon it goes from, you know, four on three to maybe four on eight. And then at that point, it's basically... There's no strategy in the world that's going to save me if I'm outnumbered two or three to one. And, yeah, yeah. and again, like going back to Alder's Blood with kind of like how you're building the stealth system and the fact that you can go in and out of it. And you said earlier with the darkness, being able to resupply the enemies or bring them back. Like, it sounds like there's a, it's going to be a, a different feel in terms of like dealing with the enemies on the field than it is with XCOM. Yeah, you know, they are not connected in the spots. We're thinking, we, we were thinking about this, but this was more about spawning them on the map if we, we were discussing still, you know, the generated maps, not the handcrafted maps. So that was only for this purpose. Uh, but no, enemies work independently. They are beasts. You know, you know, some, some may say that, you know, we make it, made this easier for us, uh, you know, that they do not, have to be soldiers, right? And they, they don't have to create more interesting tactical situations. But that was intentional. You know, that was intentional. We are the smart guys. They are the, the beasts that work on the instincts. And they work independently from, from each other. But it doesn't matter that they do not uh, interact with each other at all. Right, the, some some enemies can call on others. Uh, we want to add some enemies that will buff, you know, other enemies. Uh, this is something that is certainly needed, and we'll probably add this uh, as soon as possible. Mm, we are thinking about something that like an initiative, you know, classic initiative. And this is like a stat, and these guys go before these guys, and some some smaller stuff, like a guy gets. Uh, alarmed by something like a smell or something like that then in a smaller radius other guys could be could be like alarmed as well because they see that this guy you know found something but uh, the, i wanted to, to be to all of this to be to be more organic as, as we said before so if you have a group and what you want to lure this specific guy out of this of this group uh, you know you have options to do that so you have this pod, right? <laughs> we have this pod of, of, the, of the big brawler and some and some smaller shriekers, as we call them, the, the, like the dog-like enemies. Uh, you have options to get this specific guy out of the group, so you can take him out uh, before alarming the rest. I think on the, the, the Kickstarter there is a good example of that. Let me take a look. Yeah, this is just under the stealth banner mm -hmm. there is an example when a guy is shooting with this harpoon launcher and he's shooting an enemy that is uh, further away from the hunter there is a brawler mm -hmm. you know closer to him but this brawler is not alerted because this is a silent weapon you know so th this this is a good good example of how the you know stealth kills work yes. if you have you know right tools uh, for the job you know you can you can kill kill enemies that uh, without alerting others. Yeah. And again, like, it's always tricky, like, 
again, like, take a, this is the stream where take a shot every time we mention XCOM at some point in it. <laughs> but it's very hard to get that feeling that it's organic in terms of how things play out. Uh, Zirin mentioned, of course, avoiding the uh, detection c- cascade with like that kind of cell system. And mm-hmm. it's very hard in terms of that balance. Because as we were saying a few minutes ago, you always have that issue of just how powerful do I want to make the player? And again, like each one of these conversations, each one of these topics, that's a good like hour to an hour and a half in terms of what you get into. But it's always very tough when we talk about tactical strategy games like this. Like Invisible Ink is another one. There, I, I mentioned another game for people watching. That <laughs> with Invisible Ink, while your characters do grow in power, it's still very much dependent upon the tools that you either buy or find in the game. And these tools can do a lot. Like if you get yourself a gun that can stun or kill an enemy and can t- deal with armor. It, you know, mitigates a lot of the threat at that point. But if you don't get that and you go into a level where all the enemies have, like, plus three armor, it runs in that case of what the hell does the game expect me to do at that point? The same thing with XCOM. If I'm not able to get upgrade guns or get a better st- skills for my characters and I go too far in that game... It runs in that case of, okay, now we have the Sonic troops on the field, now we have uh, the Muddons coming at me, but none of my weapons can really do anything, and all my tactics are basically progression locked. So, am I basically screwed at that point? And I think this was one of the things I liked about Mario plus Rabbids in that very strange way, that it avoids that issue. Because you can always go back mm-hmm. to a level, you have the whole complete respect, but... It never felt like a character was just completely useless or, you know, my tactics were just gone in a matter of speaking. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's I think that's be because, you know, if even if you change the weapons in, in Mario, they are they're different but not better. Yes. Right? You you were swapping some status effects or things like that. And that's exactly what we are doing with Elder's Blood. They're not like better or worse weapons. They may be weapons that you more like, basically. You just you just like this this type of, of playstyle. Mm-hmm. And with your hunters you have a group of three. This is this is the basic uh, like party in the game. Your build is not the build of the character, but the build of the whole party. Right? And uh, there are different type types of, of these weapons. There are different classes of weapons, right? Uh, you have rifles, you have pistols, great swords, axes, and they they have different roles. They they work differently, but within these classes there are different, of course, different uh, you know, specific weapons, right? So you have different axes, different great swords and, and so forth. And uh, but it's not like you know this rifle is better from this rifle. It's not like this linear progression in XCOM and you just have to go, you know, for Gauss weapons and then you go for Like the weapon weapons. goes like, this one does plus 5 damage, this one does plus 7 damage, this one does plus 12 damage, and you get the picture. Yeah, it's uh, it's this progression system that I don't really like in mm-hmm. games. You know, I'm a huge fan of Dark Souls and Bloodborne, as I said. Mm-hmm. But they also have this this issue. You just level up to keep up, right, with the game and not 
to make any difference, right? And I like a progression system that adds more ways for me to do to different stuff, you know? Yeah. He also, you know, based the progression, I think, more heavily on the on the tools that you will be able to bring than on the progression of the characters themselves. Because there is a mechanic when these guys get basically tired up by this, this, this adventure that they, you know, embark on. And you will have to sacrifice them, basically. You know, there is there's a mechanic that, you know, I mentioned before, like uh, to, to make your new recruits, uh, you know, keep up with, the, with what's, what's going on. And along the way, your guys can acquire some negative traits. You know, we call them. Uh, I won't go you know, too far into how 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 this uh, how this works, but you get these negative perks, and one of the ways to um, you don't have to retire your guy, but you can perform this special ritual in this game, and this guy can sacrifice himself to get some of his powers to 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 younger generation, basically, right? And so so your newer guys uh, can get some some XP from them, but they won't be burdened with with the negative traits that uh, you know the the previous hunters had, mm-hmm. mm, and they they can be more and more efficient as long as they get their negative traits and you decide that this mm. is they are not needed anymore. Uh, so, but uh, these are just like modifiers, you know. Okay, this guy can have a little bit more stamina, but you know we we'll lose some health. Uh, smaller, small, smaller stuff that won't affect gameplay that much as much as you as the uh, as the what you have in your you know inventory in your armory basically, right? If you if you have access to to these weapons. That are loud, you'll be able to deal more damage, but you will expose yourself. And how will you use it? Right? Will you just try to, you know, kill everything that will, you know, go towards you because you made a little sound? Or maybe you pair this with traps. So you cover your flanks with, with these traps and the enemies that will walk towards you will walk into these traps. This is like, you know, a, like a real yeah. tactic, you know, that you can use, real build that you can do, you know, loud stuff. And uh, and traps. Yeah, Maybe I, you prefer melee, so yeah, so, so go with melee. Yeah, and I think that's very important in terms of, again giving that game the sense of that organic nature to it. That it's not a case of I'm always in stealth or I'm always in combat, and those two fields will like never cross. Or what works in one will only work in that regard. It sounds like with Alder's Blood, like each tool is basically going to have a specific purpose. And within that purpose, that's what you want to use it for. And then it's a case of, okay, if I have, you know, these three weapons, and these are my three favorites, how do I make those work on the field? It's not a case of saying, this weapon must be used on, let's say, map B. And if I don't use it, I'm screwed. But then I need to use this weapon for map C, because that's how the game was designed. No, no, we try to avoid this yeah. kind of stuff, you know. There is another another thing that we've added. Uh, uh, this is something that we call damage combos, basically. Uh, so all of the characters, beasts and the hunters, have resistances against different damage types. Mm, I think we have seven of them. I don't remember, you know, the exact <laughs> number. Uh, I think, no, eight. 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 Eight damage types and eight resistances. And when we start the game, 
you know, all of our hunters have like nothing. You now they are not um, vulnerable or invulnerable to any any damage types. But beasts are beasts are you know, and this is a like kind of binary system. And either you take the damage or you don't take damage at all, right? If you if you are uh, if you have resistance against a specific damage type, you will just null everything. And okay. if you have if you have weaknesses, you will deal double damage or just some more damage. You know we have we still balancing you know this this uh, this bonus damage. But but <laughs> you know it gets it gets trickier. There are status effects in the game, right? There are like classic ones like bleeding. You know when they just are damage over time. Or a sickness that works the same, but it affects uh, stamina instead of, of HP. Mm. Mm-hmm. But these change the resistances. So if, for example, you have an enemy that is resistant to spirit damage, right? Mm-hmm. This is something that is more. Uh, it's not that common, right? This is something more special. And you find yourself in a situation you have a weapon with this damage you can inflict bleeding status effect and this enemy automatically gets weak against this spirit okay. damage because he has uh, bleeding. So even if you if you brought something that maybe won't be suitable for you, there are tools, there are these items that you can equip your hunters and this is, this is a good good way to change this situation. Or just, you know, build your party around these damage combos. So if you have a mission that is about killing killing something, you know, bring something like that. Or maybe you just want to play like that. Okay, I want to be prepared to bring down a heavy enemy quickly, right, without alerting enemies. So I get the tools that will allow me to build this this damage comp. Okay. Um, now, as a just as a quick aside, time check-wise, we are over an hour into the cast. Um, in terms of topics left, I have a few more gameplay-related questions for you, Michael. And then I mm-hmm. want to talk a little bit more about the Kickstarter. I think length-wise, I think for me at least, I think maybe like another 30 to 40 minutes of that works for you. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Okay. No problem. I just, you know, get... Uh, I know. <laughs> and uh, for the people watching us live right now, if you have any gameplay-related questions about Alder's Blood... Please get them in, because we'll be moving on to the Kickstarter probably in the next few minutes. Um, but yeah, like again, like figuring out like how to design your tools around that is a very interesting topic. Again, it's one we could probably spend a lot more time on. <laughs> and, yeah, you know, we have a lot of these, so if you start going through every each one of them, that would <laughs> take a lot of time. <laughs> now, I guess in terms of, like again, like you mentioned the maps are... Uh, handmade or the mm-hmm. missions themselves also handmade like is there like an actual like linear campaign through Alder's Blood or is there more I guess randomization around that no there's a linear arc. Uh, okay. there's a, like a story arc that is completely linear and this is, this is a big story then there are optional missions that you can do for these great houses that I mentioned and build the loyalty so you can get the and they are built around different uh, types of gameplay. So, like for example, House Ashmore is more about firearms, while House uh, Blackwell are more about classic melee. So, if you if you prefer something like that, you work for these guys. 
There are some some also, uh, some random missions as well, but this is all handcrafted. But there are some random stuff happening, like a mission mm-hmm. that will pop up, and you can you can do this, and you make a decision: will you kill this monster that is standing on the road, or you just you know leave it, and you know some other people, some other travelers will find this and, and kill this. You know, they're not nec- sometimes they are like gameplay related. So, for example, you may trade some resources. Uh, but I wanted them to be more story-based, immersive, so you make a decision that may won't maybe affect your gameplay that much, much, you know. Will you take care of this child that is all alone in this very <laughs> dangerous world, right? Things, things like that, something to, to, you know, build, show more of the world building. Okay. As well. But there are also some, some missions that will pop up, it's not like only linear path. Optional missions also have their own story arcs that will like tell you more details about the world and these characters that that you've met in the in the main story. All right. Um, let me check the page. Here. I have a few more questions for you. Okay. Mm-hmm. One thing that uh, we were kind of like touching on the last part, but regarding like the character progression. Now, you've already mentioned that the game seems to be more focused, again, like on the gear and what equipment you have available at any given time. In terms of how, like, characters grow, I guess, what kind of, like, progression will players have in terms of, like, how the Hunters will get more stronger? Like, are there, like, perks, skills, or is it, again, like, just primarily focused on whatever uh, tools you give them on a given mission? Uh, no, they will grow with time. Uh, they will grow with time. The you know classic XP, but you get XP only from uh, from the mission main objective. As I said, you know you won't get an, uh, like extra XP for kills because that would break the <laughs> the playstyle, right? People will mm-hmm. still clean them up, and that's not what we wanted. So we introduced these penalty mechanics. You know, and darkness is only one of them. There's the second one. Uh, but uh, when they acquire enough XP, they level up, you know, classic stuff. But mm-hmm. you won't get, like, an ability to choose from. There's not, like, a, you know, ability tree, ability, ability tree. But you choose one of five randomly generated, not, not randomly generated, drawn uh, from mm-hmm. the pool uh, traits that are created by us. Uh, so you won't be able to know what you uh, what you get. Right in this in this pool this time around you just pick what's best for you at the time you you you, you are presented with this with these options, and why did we do this that way? Right, uh, you probably find yourself in some of these games where you've seen or you just decided that this is the best build that you are able to get right from the sniper in XCOM, for example. Mm-hmm. Right. Right and okay, I I think that you know the gunslinger is the best, and everybody on the internet says that the gunslinger path for the sniper is the best. So I will always pick the gunslinger perks, right? Mm, and so that's <laughs> that's one of the reasons why we wanted to to people to try try out different things. Mm. And these traits can affect uh, stats. So, for example, you know, the guy is big boned and he gets some uh, some HP bonus or you know the big lungs, so he gets <laughs> uh, you know so, some more stamina. But there are also uh, stuff that will increase uh, the hunter's uh, performance in the camp. 
uh, camp is this like I don't know. Some some people call this meta game. So basically, anything that happens in between missions, you travel with your caravan, you can set up a camp, and there are some activities that these guys can take, like uh, scavenging for resources in the regions that they are camping in, or guarding the camp from ambushes, uh, or uh, crafting, for example, right? Or just resting uh, to regain health. Mm-hmm. And th- these traits can also, you know, increase their performance in in these fields as well. So, you know, some people can have increased crafting uh, capacity, so they can craft more in a day. You know, in the on the strategy layer, as we call this, mm-hmm. mm, everything is based on the days. So, when you travel to neighboring region, it takes one day. When you wait in the camp, it takes one day. We used to have a linear time like in like in XCOM, but uh, it just didn't work out well. It was kind of, <laughs> it turned out to be to be kind of boring. We, we didn't really, uh, we didn't have like a tools or an, like a solid, very solid idea to, uh, to make this work this way. You know, it was also very reminiscent of, of XCOM 2, reminiscent of XCOM. Yeah. And it just didn't work out. We we, we just created something different. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like with like the uh, perks or like the random traits that you can choose from. That again, you're avoiding giving characters, I guess, again like special skills or special things that they can then that you know they can radically change combat. As you said with the gunslinger, for instance, like those perks for XCOM. Like for me, like last night, I was really wishing where my characters had running gun, for instance, in XCOM 2. And again, like, it's one of those very hard things to do with a lot of these tactical strategy games is that whenever you introduce, like, a hard value or a hard tool for the player, that can, you know, override other things. Like, uh, yes, yes. Like with the sniper, hold on one second. <coughs> like with the sniper idea, wow, my voice is really dying on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, that's a good sign, I guess, for the chat. (laughs) But (laughs) with, like, the sniper, for instance, like, some of those perks, like, are just all around amazing. Like, some people really like the uh, long watch power that basically lets them just overwatch, like, anywhere on the map as long as they have vision. Mm -hmm. But Or run and gun being another example. But the problem is that when you have something that is so you know, locked in terms of its utility that if it is the best option, as you said, why should I take anything else? Like if... Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like in the first yeah. XCOM, like if run and gun literally lets me rush an enemy and kill them or get a 100% chance, why should I take something that maybe gives me plus one movement range? And again, like this is like the heart of this kind of discussion when we talk about asymmetry in these kinds of... in any kind of strategy-based games that you're not really comparing apples to oranges. It's basically like you're comparing a a tank to a fire jet. You know, what's better? Well, it depends on what the situation is, essentially. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's our goal. We have an idea that could, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. give players uh, different abilities. Mm -hmm. But, you know, not something that would be, like, OP. Something that would give you, uh, like, another option like mm-hmm. we are not sure how to implement kick you know there is an idea for for an update when we could have uh, you know this kick or a shoulder bash that could you know push the enemy some hexes 
uh, you won't be able to do this like right now probably but you know this is something that I would really like to have in the game mm -hmm. and we are still thinking you know how to how to give this to the players right because if you give this to to all the all the hunters you know the the UI will get kind of uh, kind of cramped, right? There will be a lot of these disabilities, and maybe mm -hmm. this should be like a trait that you can you can get. Maybe maybe some, I don't know, some some equipment. Mm, there is an idea to create traits that give something like mastery in different weapon classes, and then every weapon has like two abilities, for example. Uh, like a shot and uh, I don't know precise shot, right? Mm. And only when you have the the mastery in this weapon class, you know, this will allow you to to use this this other ability. Uh, so that's that's the one of the ideas to give people things like that. But you know, we'll see. We'll, we'll mm -hmm. see. You know, it's not that they're overpowered because you are still trading. Uh, you know, this this these abilities yeah. usually have a cooldown, or they you know require more stamina to use. So it's not that you get something better; you get more. Yeah. Or more of different stuff, and that's that's what they would like to to stick to, you know. Yeah, that that again seems to be like the better way of kind of designing these games. It's not around. I have a better gun. It's I have a different gun. You know, maybe yeah, my yeah. gun isn't as fast as, or as strong as yours, but it does X. And yeah, yes. I think like the more variables that play like that. I think generally lead to more interesting discussions of strategy design. It's one of the reasons why I'm really keeping an eye on Phoenix Point. That's the game from the original designer of XCOM. Like, I really hope that game does well, because it sounds like, again, like the XCOM design is so close to being like one of my perfect games, like one of my dream ideas, yeah. but it's always those like little details that just nag me about. And again, We've already spent almost an hour like nagging about XCOM. We gotta be careful, or we'll spend a few more. Um, Oscar is saying in chat, "Bring the cat onto the cast." Is that a cat in the corner? <laughs> yeah, he's he wants something very badly, and I'm not sure what what he wants. <laughs> <laughs> Probably some attention. <laughs> uh, let me see. There's any other questions uh, mechanically wise? I one thing, I think I know the answer to this, but I guess just to clarify for people watching live or recorded, is there mm -hmm. permadeath in Alder's Blood? Yes. Okay. Just one. That was a quick one. <laughs> I just wanted to make <laughs> sure on that. Um, yeah, I think that you will change your hunters quite, quite often. You know, mm -hmm. uh, maybe not necessarily from them dying on the mission, because if you play carefully. You know, then then they won't die that that easily, but there is this uh, this idea of them getting tired of this of this whole mm -hmm. situation of them uh, getting too close to the dark and you know this affecting them, and then you will have to you know use the sacrifice mechanic that I you know described before, and this also ties to this progression system, because uh, when they level up they get these traits, but they're these positive traits. But there are some certain conditions when they can get negative traits as well. So, mm -hmm. you know, you have to balance them out sometimes. You know, maybe you wanted to get more more stamina, but, you know, this guy get this trait that, you know, reduced his health. So maybe I choose, you know, the, the trait with, with the health so I could, you know, balance this out because I like this guy. You know, mm -hmm. thing, things, like, things like that, you know, the trait system mm, is quite powerful. 
and there's a lot of that we can we can do to this, and we are still you know taking and taking uh, a look how what 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 else can we can we add there you know without making them them op but still still interesting. Right? Yeah. So so yeah, but still you know the same principle goes there. You know, give more of different stuff than better stuff. Yeah. Alright, um, I guess uh, for you, Michael, are there any aspects of the gameplay that we didn't touch on yet that you would like to bring up? Hmm, I think that maybe it was, you know, spread out, you know, <laughs> from, the, from the, this conversation, but the, the biggest, like, uh, focus points, right, would be the stamina system, mm-hmm. right? Everything is based on the stamina, and the stamina is quite, uh, it's more flexible than action points, so you will be able to do more than one stuff. Basically, you, you can use... Oh, maybe this this is something very important for people that, that play XCOM. Mm-hmm. In, in Elder's Blood, you'll be able to shoot and then run, for example. Oh, thank you. I was just yeah. about to say that. <laughs> that <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Oh, that drives me okay. crazy in XCOM with that, with the only attacking nullifies your turn, even if you do on your first one. <laughs> Yeah, this is something that I never liked, you know, mm-hmm. in tabletop games because I I have the like background for for war games as well, uh, and this is one also also one of the main things that I wanted to have in the game that attacking doesn't doesn't end your end your turn. Uh, so if you when you if you want to like compare this this game to to XCOM, this is like more flexible, you know, it's more flexible in terms of what you can do and in what. Uh, order, right? But uh, stamina system, so the, this flexibility movement system, different also, more flexible. If you want to run around, you, you can, as long as you have the stamina. Uh, mm-hmm. No RNG, no, no to hit chance. <laughs> uh, then we have this this darkness system that is like the soft cap for the, for the number of turns you want to play this game. Mm. What else? I think these these are the, the most important ones. You know, the stamina, this this no RNG, and and this this flexibility in what you what you can do and what order. All right. Um, and a question from Oscar that a lot of the stuff that you're describing resonates with the Darkest Dungeon. And have you had a chance to play that game? And if so, uh, where did you take any like inspiration from Darkest Dungeon? Hmm. I think that yeah, I played a lot of Doctor Dungeon Dungeon. I've never finished it, <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately. But I get to the darkest dungeon. It was hard. Yes, <laughs> it was hard. <laughs> uh, but I don't know what was harder: darkest dungeon or the attack of the of the bandits. I, I still I still I'm still not sure what was what was worse. Um, <laughs> but anyway, you know, I, I digress. Any, 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 like, I think the trade system is kind of similar to to the quirks, right? Quirks uh, from, from that. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I don't know. I think that the some of the stuff that maybe not that important, uh, but more uh, putting some weight on the art, you know, more weight on the art in, in like, menus, you know, to, to make it less like a table to read and more like something interesting to look at mm-hmm. mm. the camp screen if you if you take a look at our campaign uh, page you know there is there's this camp and this is also kind of similar setup like you have in the 
Hamlet in Darkest Dungeon. Mm-hmm. So I also wanted to show you know more of this art, you know, get you uh, closer to to the world, you know, so so you know we could use this immersion aspect, right? Mm-hmm. A little bit more, which I I really like in games. This is something that you know for me is very very important. I can you know like mm, I can be more. <laughs> I miss a word here. Uh, I'm maybe not some grumpy about the game if the immersion is good, basically. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> if if they, you know, they, it has a specific atmosphere, I won't be so mad about some of the, I don't know, gameplay elements that do not fit that well. If I liked, you know, the, the world and everything like that. Vampire is a good example of that. You know, mechanically, it's not the best game. You know, it could be it could be way better, but, you know, the atmosphere, you know, characters and all of that, yeah, you know, make up for all the flows in the, the compass system. <laughs> yeah. And, like, with, like, Darkest Dungeon itself, it's another game that is very much RNG-dependent. And again, like, RNG, that's a topic we gotta be really careful about, because that's... We'll be here all night long if we start getting too much <laughs> RNG in these ga- kind of games. I'm trying to think if there's anything else I want to ask you mechanically wise. Uh, we talk about the weapon system. We talk about progression, enemies. Um, there are weather conditions in this game. Okay. I don't think we 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 talk about this. Uh, so I think we have like six or, or some, and they change some of the statistics on both of the sides. Uh, like you, that, that it can be foggy, so the the vision range is reduced, or maybe it's raining, so the the smell is reduced slightly, and um, or the it's it's windy, so the wind changes more rapidly than than usual, and this darkness system that we discussed can affect this as well, the direction of the wind and the weather. You know, the darkness can just change the weather condition. You know, like that. Uh, so there are RNG elements, but mm-hmm. they are not in the basic basic mechanics and i just wanted to ask you there like in terms of like things that affect the map or again like the darkness like spawning units does Mm -hmm. the player get like advanced warning when those things happen or will it just you know occur that turn kind of thing uh you have access to this hunter sense that I mm-hmm. talk about, and if you want to, basically, if you want to take a look at uh, like a longer session of gameplay, there's a video on on the campaign. Uh, this is like I think an hour long or something like that when you play a few missions with with Dave uh, from No Gravity, our publisher, and uh, then you, you will have a good like a background to what I'm saying, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. mm, uh, there's this hunter sense uh, like mode. Uh, you just you know press spacebar and you are in this, uh, and this mode gives you more information about what's what's happening, more tactical information like this vision codes they talk about. You can hover over this these guys, and this will give you a small tooltip about the most important information, like in oh what state he is, is he searching or is he idling, uh, resistances, weaknesses, things like that. But okay. also you get the information about the strength of the darkness. It's not like super precise, uh, so you know it's still a little bit vague. But it could give you an idea when you could expect, uh, you know, the you know something to hit. It's like you know the darkness. Uh, I think it's called the darkness activity, and it could be low, or it can be growing, or it can it can be you know high. And if it's high, then you know expect something to happen, basically. Hmm. Okay. 
Hi everyone, just a quick interlude to let you know that this podcast went so long I had to split up into two parts. So be sure to check out the second part up on Game Wisdom or wherever you are listening to this cast now.